0: This week, Kate and I are replaying the number one episode of 2022, The Equine Gut-Brain Connection. Now, in listening to this again, it really was one of my favorite episodes, and it reveals that there's so much more um, besides training as far as the behavior of the horse goes. So anyway... Happy New Year to everyone. We'll be back next week live and uh, enjoy this replay of the most popular episode of 2022.
1: Thanks. Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible To horse owners and enthusiasts alike. Remember that with each topic we discuss, it's important to get professional advice before implementing any of the strategies. This week, Nancy and I are looking at a paper that is titled, Priming for Welfare. Gut microbiota is associated with equitation conditions and behaviour in horse athletes. There's strong evidence um, that the diet really is a major environmental factor contributing to the microbes that we have naturally occurring in our gut. And to have a healthy lifestyle, we need to try and promote that gut flora. And I think a lot of people are a lot more aware of this over the last number of years as there's certainly a human trend towards um, taking probiotics and trying to take, I suppose, cultured dairy supplements or products that are going to promote this natural flora in our gut. More people as well are becoming aware of the link between eating healthy and feeling good mentally, I guess is the best way to put it. And this study found that there is a correlation between the microbes that are sitting in our gut and in the behavior that's exhibited in horses, which is a really fascinating phenomenon. But what was even more fascinating is that the variability is so high. So the microbes in our gut, there might be a specific type for the sake of simplifying it, we'll say type A, it could be naturally occurring. So we might think supplementing with a probiotic is doing the best we can, it's, you know, promoting that type A probiotic. But then they found a number of months later, it could be a totally different type of microbiota that's there in the gut. So these horses were eight months, was it, Nancy, fed the same diet? Yeah, they were kept in a nine-meter
0: square stall that had windows so they could look out, uh, look see other horses, and um, they were kept on – the same diet, and they were fed 20, uh, I think nine kilograms of hay a day, which amounts to 20 pounds of hay, give or take a quarter pound. So um, they were fed, uh, you know, I think four months prior to the beginning of the study, they started on the diet. And then um, there were samples taken, blood and feces samples. And then eight months went by and they did the sampling again. And then they analyzed the microbials that were in
1: test one and test two. And this um, gut brain access is what they're referring to. And they talk about the effects that the microbes in the gut have, but they found that physical stress will affect the microbiota that's in the gut but mental stress can also affect the equine gut brain access and that welfare management so we've mentioned in the past abrupt weaning we've mentioned bedding we've mentioned housing we've mentioned forage we've mentioned some rising in different episodes all of these things can have a significant effect on the horse's overall well-being and actually contribute to the variations in the uh, microbes that are in the equine gut. So with these horses, they found like in month one versus month eight, you know, they were calling it a fingerprint that that fingerprint of um, microbes had completely changed, and it wasn't possible to actually trace the original microbes.
0: Yeah, they couldn't identify horses from the test one sampling. And, you know, I didn't realize it, but horses have anywhere from 10 to the ninth, which is a billion um, of these microbials, up to 10 to the 15th, which is a quadzillion, you know, microbials, which is just, you know, think uh, one with 15 zeros behind it. That is how many microbials we're dealing with. And that makes up bacteria, uh, yeast, uh, fungi, protozoans, I mean, um, all that. And with the horse, most of that activity takes place in the hindgut where it's breaking down the fiber. And so it was uh, pretty neat that if a horse had certain behaviors that were deemed to be um, stereotypical or aggressive, um, their microbiome, microbiome just completely um, was out of whack compared to what um, another horse would be that did not exhibit those uh, stereotypical behaviors. So they felt like stress And then um, also the physical activity, as Kate said, now physical activity is they have found out that as a horse heats up, um, that blood flow diverts away from the digestion process and goes to um, the limbs and um, other areas. And so maybe that's what deals with upsetting that microbiome as well. but. This study, it's a little bit technical to read, but I broke it down into a series of um, segments to read it so I could investigate what, what each segment meant. And it's really fascinating that you can manage this so easily by just managing your horse's stress, the amount of trailering or transport, the amount of showing, and then also um, letting it have what nature intended, and that's forage. So uh, Mm -hmm. it was really goes back to those, uh, some of those episodes, Kate, like you said that, you know, we've spent so much time talking about.
1: And I think like that's the thing is being able to view the bigger picture here, because some of these horses would do high physical exertion, like the dressage horses, for example, like their training sessions would be very taxing physically. But if their lifestyle other than that is out to pasture, you know, for a number of hours during the day, a nice big stable at night, and um, balance, fees, rations, getting that forage when they're out to pasture and only maybe traveling for specific competitions then their stress factor overall may be lower compared to a horse that might not have the same high physical exertion, but if they're showing more regularly, and um, even if it's in- hand showing, you're traveling the more, you're increasing that mental stress. and is their overall welfare at a high level? or are they constantly stabled? And um, do they get to forage? Are they fed maybe a high starch? Um, diet, which refer back to that episode as well, because that has a big effect on behavior. And I think it is just taking all the knowledge we have. That's what's quite nice about this is I didn't think when I started reading about gut microbiota in horses, that it would start to link together all the previous learning that we've done and kind of bring in that big picture of, well, Have we ticked all these checkboxes first? Yeah, and they
0: took 185 horses. And uh, so this isn't a small sample size. And then the other thing is their testing times uh, for test one, it was on October 25th, 2016. And then eight months later, in June. Uh, June 19, 2017. So if you look at that calendar wise, you're going through fall, winter, spring and summer. So they accounted for a heat wave that had also occurred uh, right before the second testing time. And, um, you know, they've accounted for that, but they have a chart that shows all these populations. It was just incredible. It's so complex that I don't think it's possible to pick out a probiotic product off a shelf and be able to give your horse what they're missing. I Mm -hmm. think you can only do that by giving them the environmental and nutritional and, um, mental needs that they have to make them an overall healthy and um, what's it called kind of like uh, emotionally well horse Mm -hmm. I think if you get those emotional basket case types of horses I think right away you've got to figure them out and be able to adapt some kind of riding or training Uh, that will not upset the apple cart further than what it already is upset
1: yeah I suppose spending some time to figure out what they enjoy but it is like it's still important you know we talk about mental stress and physical stress putting a stress on this and gut biome but it is still important for them to have that physical exertion And to a degree too, like mental stress is important. We can't avoid it, you know, entirely. It's going to occur. So we just need to know how to support our horses through it and how to support ourselves. But what was fascinating was they referred to a study about rats. Did you read this, Nancy, where they took um, fecal, fecal samples? So a fecal microbiota transplantation from patients that had depression and they put it into rats that had depleted microbiota. So their natural microbiota was at a low level. They t- transplanted in microbiota, which is actually quite a common thing. And um, you hear of it being done in foals and pardon my language, but we call it a shit shake. Yeah. Where you give them <laughs> that that fecal. <laughs> that um, fecal, stomach tubing, I guess, to try and help with their microbiomes. But they found in the rats that if they took these from patients that had depression, the rats started to exhibit anxious behavior and um, started to, what was it they said? Um, Yeah, they started transmitting this anxiety-like behavior. So they found then that gut microbiomes play a role in this. And then they know in horses, horses that crib bite, crib biting is associated with higher um, grelin levels, I think it's pronounced grelin, G H R E L I N. And this is a hormone that's produced by the enteroendocrine cells in the gastrointestinal tract. And what this hormone does is it regulates hunger and gut motility but it also has an effect on anxiety, stress, and fear-like behaviors. So that's a clear indication, again, of how that gut-brain access signals to each other that it's not just what's happening in the gut is for digestion. What's happening in the gut is also so intrinsically linked to the brain, and potentially more so in animals like horses that are fight or flight, you know where they've got that ability for you know if they go into flight mode for their digestive system to just kind of close down and them to conserve energy and to bolt.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, Kate, because it's almost as if um, the gut and its motility affects behavior, and that's that one episode about the high starch diet. We did, and um, you know they're talking about the micro by what was it called microbiability, is Mm -hmm. you know typical, which means it's affected by the environment and what you're putting in that horse, and it always comes down. We've got to feed fiber. Even humans feed their uh, microbial system and that flora and fauna through eating fiber diets, high fiber diets, feed that. So um, no surprise that a horse that's designed to be a high fiber feeding animal needs that. And we come in and we feed it grains and all this extra energy. But in reality, um, there's been some racehorse trainers just feed forage and win with their racehorses because they feed a very um, good forage and uh, they realize how important that is for, um, it's called budarate. And that is the microbial that, the product that gives energy. And I think it was endurance horses is what they tested that theory on. And if they can go eight days Uh, you know hundreds of miles and just on forage I think um, you know we could maybe eliminate a little bit of the grains that we feed our horses
1: Mm -hmm. and I think like that's what's natural to them and they're not far removed from essentially our wild horses you know when Uh, we look at other domesticated species that could I mean pugs sorry to anyone who owns one but they couldn't survive in the wild like (laughs) you know there's there's some species that definitely you can release again and they would have a great chance yeah Um, I
0: thought this study was interesting and that they analyzed bedding as well and it was straw shavings and pellets and by far the the better uh, microbials were the result of straw, and probably due to its fiber content, they thought. So yeah,
1: because they're going to be browsing at the bedding then too.
0: and they were never without that um, type of um, you know uh, forage throughout the night. And these horses never went out, so they're confined horses with good ventilation. And, uh, you know, they were not free-roaming horses. It would be awesome to be able to do this study on a uh, free-roaming herd. Yeah. Like El Pony, say, or something like that. I mean, I bet their um, microbiome is phenomenal.
1: And I think they did mention somewhere in the study, though, that they would need uh, more advanced technology to potentially capture the full picture yeah. because as you said you know did you say quadrillion at one point or is that
0: yeah yeah 10 to the 15th power uh, and i tried visualizing that i mean just you know i mean it's incredible that there's that many um microbials and humans have a lot too you know, so but I thought darn and we pick a probiotic supplement off the shelf and it's just you don't know. You don't know if your horse even mm-hmm. that. And I remember in our nutrition segment at Edinburgh, they questioned whether it could survive the acid from the stomach and even make it to the hind gut. Yeah. Because the microbials are heat and temperature dependent. So, um, you know, a lot of the ones when you ship them in a container, by the time they get to you, they don't even, they break down. So, especially in the hot summer. So, that was another uh, discussion that we had had uh, versus probiotics when, you know, I was taking that nutrition course at Edinburgh. So um, it's amazing. I mean, I take probiotics. Uh, It is uh, uh, really complicated and complex. And I think so much so that the best thing you can do is eat a good diet. Uh, Mm -hmm. And yogurt is wonderful, sauerkraut. It helps feed that garden. And then if you're a horse, just as much hay as what they want to eat.
1: I love that. If you're a horse, yeah, you should just have a lot of-,
0: <laughs> I think uh, of horses that listen to us as well. Kate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but I completely agree. I think as well, a lot of people have no idea how much fiber like humans actually need. And if you work it out, like if you just take one day and use an app like my fitness pal Um, The recommended amounts of fiber are always a little bit on the lower side, and be careful using recommendations from like websites that if it's a standard recommendation, it tends to be based on a certain height and weight of person, which will be like the average height and weight of a woman in America or a man in America. And that's not actually probably where you fit in on that scale. So to work out your fiber for a day and actually calculate through your foods because you would be surprised. It's actually a a big effort to get in enough fiber every day to hit what an accurate target would be. So definitely start there and just experiment that with yourself and see like, are you getting enough roughage every day? Yeah.
0: um, I thought too, uh, one more point is that breed had nothing to do with this. Um, This is pretty much across the spectrum for all horses. So um, they did have uh, a breed breakdown chart, but the microbiome, the um, diversity that occurred or didn't occur had nothing to do with breed. And they did a a study uh, before this one that was specific on breeds. And so um, they did say that age, um, genetics. So like ponies that tend to be more insulin resistant, um, you know, there's new research that um, says maybe their microbiome uh, needs to have a little bit uh, adjustment to it. And that's a genetic propensity in ponies. And then of course, a high fiber diet, exercise, watch, stress, and then body condition in the horse's environment. So um, there's a lot of factors that go into this, but, you know, it's kind of impressive that they're on the road to kind of um, solving parts of the puzzle.
1: Exactly. The last thing I just wanted to add is I don't think I pointed out who the author was for this paper. So Priming for Welfare Gut Microbiota is Associated with Equitation Conditions and Behavior in Horse Athletes. And it's Nuria Mach. And this is a et al, but this is one of those, one of the few papers, I think, that has a a big number of um, authors. So there's actually 11 researchers that were involved with this and that collaborated to write this study up. Um, and to conduct this study as well. So a lot of great minds were behind this one, and it was published in May 2020. So it is pretty new um, and is open access, but as Nancy said, is quite technical. So it's a little bit more of a difficult read if you're not used to scientific reports.
0: They did break down each and every genus, species of these um... You know, whatever bacteria, fungi, whatever they did, they broke that down. It's quite intensive. But I think, you know, what, at the end of the day, you say, so what? Why is this important? Well, for me, it showed that all these factors tend to affect your horse um, and their um, microbes that are in their intestines. So you've got your behaviors um you know, your feed, um, everything you do with them, you know, you've got to make sure you can manage their stress levels. And if you're going to be doing something that you know, is going to stress them out, maybe take it in steps into to mm-hmm. a certain point, like for me, trailering, I, I might initially, since they've been off all winter, I might initially just load them in the trailer and then back them out and Mm -hmm. then they're done and then maybe the next day load them up go ahead and go for a brief ride come home unload and do things in steps like that maybe that would help manage their stress especially on those um you know thoroughbredy um ones that you have to take a spatula to get them off the roof of anything a little bit more hot bloods you know, maybe do things more in stages and steps and slowly and let them acclimate a little better than just being totally mind blowing and stressed out.
1: Definitely. I think that's good advice to round up on.
0: Okay, well, this was a good one. It's a little bit a lot of reading, but uh, you know, it made me think and I hope it, you know, the listeners get a lot out of that
1: as well. And thank you to somebody suggested this for this week, didn't they, Nancy?
0: Uh, Megan suggested this and, um, you know, it was was good. I'm glad uh, she did because I had never really connected the gut with behavior before. Although someone had told me a long time ago, 20 years ago, that crib biting was a response to a gastrointestinal problem. And you know what? It's coming around that it just might be, you know. Yeah,
1: they were right.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, um, well, that's it for um, this week. And uh, next week we'll be back.
1: Brilliant. Thank you, everyone. And talk to you next week, Nancy. Okay, thanks, Kate. Take care.